Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Brent Ritchie, and he is the founder and president of Enrich Investment Group. He has over 18 years of experience in engineering, construction, and project management, and his latest projects involve the ownership, management, operations, and development of apartment buildings worth over $350 million. So Brent, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. All right, Brent. So can you start off by sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Absolutely. So I grew up actually a small rural town in um, a little town outside of Toronto, maybe three hours, um, called Parkville, Ontario. I grew up on a farm and I guess I attribute a lot of the success that we've been able to and been fortunate to have um, from, you know, a lot of the hard work that you learn doing that. And so um Kind of knew nothing there was was maybe my cup of tea and what I wanted to pursue and do. And so um was always kind of looking for, you know, where are those opportunities where I can make my dent? And so that led me to end up going do engineering in the city, did civil structural engineering, was working on bridges, um, infrastructure projects all over the place. But working for somebody and as an engineer, when you stamp something, you design something, you uh assume a massive amount of liability that carries you around the rest of your life, but really not well compensated for that. And so it's always looking for, Hey, what is the right kind of fit? And where is that space that I can uh, kind of use my gifts? And so that's what led me looking at, you know, a couple of different businesses, having some side hustles on the way, doing some MLM uh, back in, in uh, 15 years ago or so, and then really getting into so I was trying to be like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? You know, and, and it's, you know, I think that's such a big question for people to really get to is what do you want, you know, and what are you looking for? And once people can kind of drill in that, and sometimes, you know, um, Tim Ferriss was kind of a mentor of mine. Uh, I've never met him, but just through reading some of this stuff and consuming his, his early podcast, um, and so he was really a mentor and allowed me to kind of see, okay, maybe you don't know what you want for the rest of your life, but what do you want right now? Or you know, almost what do you not want? And as people drill that in, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I want to be able to, you know, work from anywhere uh, with an internet connection. And then I can um, basically not be in the day to day. So I looked at some businesses, looked at some franchises, you know, some of those 60, 70 hours a week. And really the goal for that was not to just buy another job. And so I was really looking and, and kind of finding where is that kind of that space in that model. Um, funny enough, fast forward to 2023 at the time of this recording, uh, it's been a very operator focused and demanding time. And so prior years, you know, you can almost scale up, set up the systems. And, and so it's not, uh, you're not involved in the weeds in the day to day of it, you know, and you have people that are running that. Um, but, you know, we've by and large have to step back in and, and kind of 
some, have somewhat kind of bought us a job, but the structure and, and really the design of what we do um, is to, you know, put those teams in place and put those right systems and process and, and, um, and people uh, in place that allows us to kind of leverage time and leverage opportunities and, and scale. And so that's, uh, I know it's a mouthful, um, but that's really what has uh, kind of how we've got to where we are and, and just very intentionally looking and kind of with crystal clear results or clear, crystal clear goals and results of, of what we're going after and what we're pursuing. So, so back before you got into real estate, you were looking at multiple different options and opportunities to, you know, the side hustles and different other opportunities out there to build up additional income on top of what you were doing it during your day job. Um, as you're trying to design your life and what you're looking for and how you wanted to pursue those opportunities and build up the life that you wanted to achieve eventually, how did you start looking at different opportunities out there and getting over that fact of like the fear factor that Tim Ferriss talks about also? Because especially when you stray away from something that you're so used to doing, like you grew up or you started in the industry of structural engineering and then moving away from that, going into um, real estate. How did that, how did you overcome some of those challenges um, as you started to shift away from what you typically knew to something brand new? Yeah, you know, it's such a good question. Um, and I know fear kind of grips a lot of people and kind of keeps, can keep us in a space, you know, and almost like unrealized dreams. And probably for myself, I've always been a little bit more entrepreneurial driven, entrepreneurial bent. And so it's something that plagues me, um, whether I like it or not. And so, you know, kind of lean into that. I lean into that. Um, but there's the fear, you know, we could look at the fear of, okay, what if, you know, how do I step out of this comfortable space that I'm in? Um, but I don't know. I, I, I guess I look at it a little differently. I look at it like, okay, we got one life, you know, and, and how are we going to live it? How do we want to spend it? You know, how do we want to um, be very intentional about it and not just let it happen to us, right? Life's going to happen whether you plan it or not. So you might as well plan it and you might as well go after the things that you really want to pursue and really want to do. Um, and so I guess I, I look at it a little bit differently. Um, you know, a lot of that is, is, yeah, reading and consuming and learning from, you know, uh, from others, you know, that have really gone down that path before. Um, so it was, I guess, these little micro decisions, you know, that ultimately led to to uh, pursuing and, and getting out of a path. But there's people are fear of the unknown, but there's fear of what happens if you just stay doing what you're doing. You know, what does that look like in your life in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Um, and Tony Robbins goes through this whole this whole thing and, and one of his events called Unleash the Power Within, where they kind of fast forward what your life would look like and what happens when you hold on to those fears and those unrealized dreams and you just kind of settle into mediocrity, you know, or settle where you're at. And so I think success is the progressive realization of a worthwhile ideal. You know, it's not the actual arrival at that destination, but it's the pursuit of that destination, just like a lot of life. Uh, sometimes I... I get too forward and I look into the future too much that I am not as present and, and my wife will attest to that. But, um, but I think, you know, it's really, um, you know, and there's risk in the present, right? There's risk of, man, I was in, 
mutual funds and they were sucking and I, you know, tried to pick the best ones and I'm looking at performance year over year and it's negative or maybe it's, you know, most was 6% or something like that once, you know, you net fees and, and everything. And so it's like, I don't know, a couple of things just don't resonate well with me. One of those is um, in Canada, we have RRSPs, I think in the States, the 401k, you know, hey, I want to save up enough money. And then by the time I'm at the end of my working age, I would just want to have enough money um, and hopefully have enough until I die. Right. And so I don't know. I, I don't like that specific philosophy or strategy. Um, it's always, you know, how can we create something uh, that grows and builds and, and instead of just trading time for money. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that would kind of, I don't know, I guess maybe even the fear of staying mediocre. Um, it's really what helped motivate me and, and push me on to, to uh, you know, look and pursue and actually step outside of those, those space, you know, and once you have that vision, that vision and that, that dream and, you know, taking steps towards that, um, you know, it's so much easier to really, um, maybe not easier, but it's taking, you know, a step at a time, step at a time, right? If we're talking about CN Tower or, you know, pick a, you know, a massive building um, and you got to climb all these stairs. If you think of like, oh, I got to climb all the stairs, it's too much, you know, but maybe we just look at it like, okay, one, five steps at a time, right? Or And look at that next step, you know, so breaking down your goal into smaller pieces and smaller chunks. And... So Brent, for you, you, you're from Canada, but you started investing in the United States. How did that happen? And what did you start off with in your first investment in, in the United States? Yeah, great question. So um, what people have to understand about Canada is it's cold. And so a lot of us Canadians like to come down to Florida, like to come to Arizona, like to come to California, like to come to warmer weather, right? To go far south enough that we get, get that warmer weather. Um, and so that, that is, there's actually a significant amount of Canadians that own real estate in the States. You know, I think it's something like, 30% of Florida and Arizona are owned by Canadians. Um, if you think of how wild that is, that's a, a lot of the population. Yeah, it was, it was almost, okay, what are those steps? Going back to the vision and then what do I want to achieve? And then what is the destination to get there? Um, people are like, oh, Toronto and, or your Canada is so far away, but really it's like Toronto to Houston or Dallas or, or Tampa, you know, those are all like two to three hour flights. You know, so it's really not that far if you think of it in scale, kind of from where you are to where I am, you know, East Coast to West Coast, that's, I think, a five-hour flight or five-and-a-half-hour right. flight. So it's actually long, longer within the States than, you know, some points in Canada. So, yeah, this is, uh, so it's kind of that vision and then what do I want to achieve? And then from there um, was, yeah, I kind of saw the path and saw the possibilities and, uh, joined a group based in Dallas, Texas. And so I'd fly from Toronto to Dallas a couple times a year. And, and that's really where I got a lot of my training from, you know, going from nothing or maybe some, some student rental residential real estate back, back in the day, um, prior to university to, you know, 15 years of not in the space and then really getting into learning multifamily, getting into that space and then ultimately uh, buying our first deal, which was a 120 unit property um, in the Phoenix MSA and kind of getting started with that that asset. While you were still living in Canada at the same time, right? 
yeah, while we're still in Canada, I was still working engineering, you know, I got three kids and so they're young. And so I'm working, you know, waking up 5 a.m. every morning, cranking it a little bit before work. And then, you know, post putting the kids down after work as well. And so, yeah, it's like uh, the, the, <laughs> there's no uh, nothing worth, you know, you don't get results for nothing. Right. You definitely got to put in the work and, you know, but once you have that vision, that clarity, you know, focus. And, and so we can, you know, kind of get after it. So what were some of the things that you had to do as, you know, especially being international as well, and then buying a property in Arizona, let alone a hundred plus unit property? What were some of the steps that you had to do prior to that purchase in order to one, find the people that you wanted to partner with to also finding the deal itself and then three closing and then operating the the property once you actually acquire it. Yeah, great question. Great question. So it was actually another podcast I was listening to and they were talking about, you know, usually it's just one or two or three steps that you need. If you're in another country, you want to buy something somewhere else, usually a simpler process, one, two, three steps. And so, you know, I was like, oh, well, that simplifies it quite a bit. And, you know, uh, engineers are known to make things simple. Just joking. They never do. Um, but we typically complicate things and make it more difficult. And so really, you're like, okay, just three things. And then you're like, a lot of other Canadians have already done it before. So from there, it was like, okay, um, multifamily spaces, finding experts in those areas, you know, so I'm in Canada, and I'm like, okay, I got to find somebody that's an expert in cross border real estate somebody that really knows their stuff and kind of interviewed a bunch of firms and found somebody that there was the right fit that actually knew what they were doing. And it was challenging because five different firms and five different answers and five different paths. And so you're kind of having to see, you know, what is that right path? Um, but yeah, finding that expert, once you have an expert, you know, it's setting up an entity in the U S and now that I have an entity in the U S it's almost like I'm treated like a U.S. person for that entity. And so now I can conduct business from that U.S. entity, I'm not a tax professional. So I'll put that light, that disclaimer out there. Need to consult with your tax professional what that looks like. Um, but yeah, it was that once I had that U.S. entity, you know, and then I'm able to kind of um, do things like uh, was was typically done in the states. And so um, we have family in Arizona, uh, love them, and we go and visit them often, or they'd have us there. And so it was already going there a couple times a year, and then. Um, was really looking at, okay, you know, I was looking at multiple markets, a bit agnostic and just really where's the best opportunities. And that's where, you know, we found this gem and I'm telling you, this thing was 1974 squatty buildings, not that attractive, you know, kind of on the edge of a good area and a bad area, but we bought in at a great basis, even though at the time you're like, Oh, I don't know. And uh, bought in at a great basis. And we turned, you know, 11, it was 11.635 million and we turned it into 25. Uh, definitely had the benefit of the tailwinds behind us. But um, yeah, we did that, operated that, had some partners and, and uh, that made it all possible. But uh, most importantly, our, our investors that really made the project a great success. So then from that first property, what did you do afterwards and how did you end up to where you are today? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you're looking at it and it's like, being such a big thing, right? It's it's almost like when you're in the weeds, you're in the day-to-day -day moments, you're in the one project, two project, three project, four project, you know, it's just one at a time. 
right? So you're underwriting that ton of projects. You're looking for a lot of opportunities. You're having a lot of conversations. You're, you know, you're doing a significant amount of work to really find that. Um, but a big part too is plugging into an ecosystem where there's power in that, you know, and there's the connections and there's people doing it all the time. And you're like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it, you know, and it's seeing people get it, making it happen and finding deals. And so, you know, really it's just that one at a time to the next, to the next. And, and, um, you know, that really created the, the space to be able to, to scale and grow. And once you figure out one, you go through a lot of learning curves. And the second one is a lot easier because you've learned a lot of those things. And then, you know, second, third, fourth, and, and now you're putting systems and processes in place so you can scale that faster, you know, and a lot, you learn a lot through that process of what to do and what not to do, you know, and that, that really develops a lot of your processes and systems so you can uh, be a great operator moving forward. So Brent, what is your focus today? Uh, our focus is multifamily. That is what we do. Our definitely bread and butter and, and um, you know, kind of focus. I, yeah, fine. Definitely still active at the time of this recording. We do have a property under contract that we're super excited about, but we'll have, yeah, some we're buying and then operating. Operating is a huge, huge focus. And then, you know, sell kind of when the, the right time hits. And how are you navigating, especially in today's volatile market with interest rates rising, being on the high, uh, maybe sellers aren't negotiating as much as you'd like on the price points. Operating, like you mentioned, is one of the challenge points that a lot of operators are seeing right now. Um, How are you managing the market in today's time? It's interesting. The market is, is always changing. It's always dynamic, you know. Um, I think we can look back at any point and it's just like, oh man, it's so competitive, right? Hot markets are competitive and competitive markets are great on one side, but then not so great when you're trying to buy, you know? Yeah, there's uh, definitely uh, choppy waters, very choppy waters with interest rates going up the fastest they've ever gone in history um, has definitely created some challenges, you know? And, and so, you know, it's really looking at asset specific, coming up with plans, strategies of, you know, kind of how we're going to kind of weather through this time and through this storm and then get, you know, past that, um, having conversations with their lenders and, you know, different stakeholders and, and making sure that, you know, kind of we're, we're able to get through this time. Um, and, uh, and at the other side, you know, I think it's important to remember, uh, winter is a season, you know, winter doesn't last forever, right. Eventually winter ends and then spring comes right. Spring and summer and, and so, um, yeah, I would say that's a, that's a big, uh, big element for sure. Are you still focusing on the Arizona markets or are there other markets that you're also um, buying and purchasing property in now too? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, funny. So we bought that Arizona property, that market heated up like crazy. And so we were a bit more agnostic and like, okay, where do the numbers make sense? And where can we find great opportunity and great yield? And so... Um, that's where we, we look at Texas, look at Arizona or sorry, Florida. We're looking at Tennessee. Definitely, you know, we've, we've built up all across the country. Um, but specifically kind of, we see, you know, opportunities. Arizona's falling right now. A lot of the rental growth, uh, just blew up and then now is cooling down, right? You're, you're from California. So I'm sure very familiar with that, uh, that fall. Um, and it's still right now happening. Um, so, you know, I would be opportunistic maybe in that market, but making sure you're buying right and buying with the fundamentals in mind. And so, um, 
Yeah. So we're, we're looking, you know, kind of wherever we can see greatest opportunity. Uh, but specifically, uh, we'd be looking at Texas, uh, Florida, Arizona, and, uh, and probably Tennessee. So Brent, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been, been a fantastic journey. Uh, been a fantastic journey. Definitely allowed me to go from the nine to five grind, you know, into financial freedom and create a lot of opportunities and kind of, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of the rich dad, poor dad, the rat race game, um, or cash flow 101. And so it's allowed you to get out of the rat race and kind of into it a different, different, uh, realm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic, fantastic journey. Um, and you know, I think long-term play, we're super bullish on, on real estate. You know, people have to have a, a place to stay and roof over their house and with insurance interest rates up as high as they are it kind of funnels into, okay, well, it makes more sense to rent right now. Um, so, so we're, yeah, we're bullish about the space. We love it. Um, but definitely buying, uh, carefully right now and buying, um, you know, kind of for able to weather through, you know, next, next couple of years. Well, so going back to when you first were planning out and designing what your life would look like and looking for those opportunities in the early stages, and looking at where you are today, is this what you envisioned your life to be? Did you set out to get to this point in time? Yeah, yeah, I would say, I would say very much. Um, yeah, we, we, were, we were in Canada, you know, now we're living in Florida. So uh, Robert Helms and, and Russell Gray, they talk about invest uh, or live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. And so uh, we're fortunate to now call Florida home. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's beautiful here. Um, definitely enjoying this, uh, sunshine palm trees. It's just great for the soul. Um, so yeah. And, and it's, you know, a progressive journey, right? I think it's continuing to set new goals and, and, uh, and, uh, and a new path. And if you knew one thing about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? Uh, that's a great question. Definitely making sure you protect yourself well um, for the downside. No market goes up forever, right? No market goes down forever. But at the same point, you know, to be able to make sure to weather through storms. Um, so uh, definitely understanding risk um, and, uh, and accounting for it correctly. What is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? That's a good question. Um, you know, buying right, I would say buying right is a, is a big factor. Um, buying right and, and operating well. Um, definitely, um, this is just like if you had, you know, you can think you're wear and tear on a single family home, especially with kids or pets, you know, just multiply that by 100 or 200 or 300 or 400, right? It's significantly bigger. And so, um, operations are, are crucial. And so, you know, I have to look at where your strengths are, you know, and, and your typical, maybe you have three pieces, right? Somebody's more the investor communication side, right? Somebody's maybe more the operator and maybe some of the, the financials. And so um, having, you know, kind of finding out where your strengths are and then finding somebody that complements those uh, weaknesses that you might not have. So, Brent, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing in the space? Awesome. Yeah, best way, uh, if they want to email me, 
um, Brent, B-R-E-N-T, at Enrich Investments. So it's E-N-R-I-T-C-H investments.com. Uh, it's the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, we could schedule a time, set up a, a quick, you know, 15-minute introduction. Or, or they can find my website, enrichinvestments.com. All right, Brent. Well, thank you so much for all of your time today. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much as well. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.